Section three of Rock Crystal by Ottlebert Stifter, translated by Lee M. Hollander. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Rock Crystal continued. One winter on the morning before Christmas, when the first dawn had passed into day, a thin, dry veil was spread over the whole sky so that one could see the low and distant sun only as an indistinct red spot. Moreover, the air that day was mild, almost genial, and absolute calm reigned in the entire valley as well as in the heavens, as was indicated by the unchanging and immobile forms of the clouds. So the shoemaker's wife said to her children, As today is pleasant, and it has not rained for a long time, and the roads are hard, and as father gave you permission yesterday, if the weather continued fine, you may go to visit grandmother in Millsdorf, but ask father once more. The children, who were still standing there in their little nightgowns, ran into the adjoining room where their father was speaking with a customer, and asked him again for his permission, because it was such a fine day. It was given, and they ran back to their mother. The shoemaker's wife now dressed the children carefully, or rather, she dressed the little girl in snug-fitting warm dresses, for the boy began to dress himself, and was finished long before his mother had the little girl straightened out. When they were both ready, she said, Now, Conrad, be nice and careful. As I let your little sister go with you, you must leave betimes, and not remain standing anywhere, and when you have eaten at grandmother's, you must return at once and come home, for the days are very short now, and the sun sets very soon. Yes, I know, mother, said Conrad, and take good care of Sanna that she does not fall or get overheated. Yes, mother. Well, then, God bless you. Now go to your father and tell him you are leaving. The boy slung a bag of calfskin, artfully sewed by his father, about his shoulders by a strap and the children went into the adjoining room to say farewell to their father. Soon they issued again, and merrily skipped along the village street, after their mother had once more made the sign of the cross over them. Quickly they passed over the square, and along the rows of houses, and finally between the railings of the orchards out into the open. The sun already stood above the wooded heights that were woven through with milky wisps of cloud, and its dim reddish disk proceeded along with them through the leafless branches of the crab-apple trees. There was no snow in the whole valley, but the higher mountains that had been glistening with it for many weeks already were thoroughly covered. The lower ridges, however, remained snowless and silent in the mantle of their pine forests and the fallow red of their bare branches. The ground was not frozen yet, and would have been entirely dry, after the long dry period that had been prevailing, if the cold of the season had not covered it with a film of moisture. This did not render the ground slippery, however, but rather firm and resilient, so that the children made good progress. The scanty grass still standing on the meadows, and especially along the ditches in them, bore the colors of autumn. There was no frost on the ground, and a closer inspection did not reveal any dew either, which signifies rain, according to the country people. 
Toward the edge of the meadows there was a mountain brook over which led a high, narrow wooden bridge. The children walked over it and looked down. There was hardly any water in the brook, only a thin streak of intensely blue color wound through the dry white pebbles of its stony bed, and both the small amount and the color of the water indicated that cold was prevailing in the greater altitudes, for this rendered the soil on the mountain dry so that it did not make the water of the brook turbid, and hardened the ice so that it could give off but a few clear drops. From the bridge the children passed through the valley and the hills, and came closer and closer to the woods. Finally they reached the edge of the woods and walked on through them. When they had climbed into the higher woodlands of the neck, the long furrows of the road were no longer soft, as had been the case in the valley, but were firm, not from dryness, but, as the children soon perceived, because they were frozen over. In some places the frost had rendered them so hard that they could bear the weight of their bodies. From now on they did not persist any longer in the slippery path beside the road, but in the ruts, as children will, trying whether this or that furrow would carry them. When, after an hour's time, they had arrived at the height of the neck, the ground was so hard that their steps resounded on it, and the clods were hard like stones. Arrived at the location of the memorial post, Sanna was the first to notice that it stood no longer there. They went up to the spot and saw that the round red-painted post, which carried the picture, was lying in the dry grass which stood there like thin straw and concealed the fallen post from view. They could not understand, to be sure, why it had toppled over, whether it had been knocked down or fallen of itself, but they did see that the wood was much decayed at the place where it emerged from the ground, and that the post might therefore easily have fallen off itself. Since it was lying there, however, they were pleased that they could get a closer look at the picture and the inscription than they had ever had before. When they had examined all, the basket with the rolls, the whitish hands of the baker, his closed eyes, his gray coat, and the pine trees surrounding him, and when they had spelt out and read aloud the inscription, they proceeded on their way. After another hour, the dark forest on either side receded, scattered trees, some of them isolated oaks, others birches, and clumps of bushes, received them and accompanied them onward. And after a short while, the children were running down through the meadows of the Valley of Millsdorf. Although this valley is not as high, by far, as the Valley of Gashad, and so much warmer that they could begin harvesting two weeks earlier than in Gashad, the ground was frozen here too. And when the children had come to the tannery and the fulling mill of their grandfather, pretty little cakes of ice were lying on the road where it was frequently spattered by drops from the wheels. That is usually a great pleasure for children. Grandmother had seen them coming and had gone to meet them. She took Sanna by her cold little hands and led her into the room. She made them take off their heavy outer garments, ordered more wood to be put in the stove, and asked them what had happened on the way over. When they had told her, she said, That's nice and good, and I am very glad that you have come again, but today you must be off early. The day is short, and it is growing colder. 
Only this morning there was no frost in Millsdorf. Not in Gashad either, said the boy. There you see. On that account you must hurry, so that you will not grow cold in the evening, said Grandmother. Then she asked how Mother was, and how Father was, and whether anything in particular had happened in Gashad. After having questioned them, she devoted herself to preparation of dinner, made sure that it would be ready at an earlier time than usual, and herself prepared tidbits for the children, which she knew would give them pleasure. Then the master dyer was called. Covers were set on the table for the children, as for grown-up people, and then they ate with grandfather and grandmother, and the latter helped them to particularly good things. After the meal, she stroked Sana's cheeks, which had grown quite red, meanwhile. Thereupon she went busily to and fro, packing the boy's knapsack till it was full, and, besides, stuffed all kinds of things into his pockets. Also, in Sana's little pockets, she put all manner of things. She gave each a piece of bread to eat on the way, and in the knapsack, she said, there were two more pieces of wheat bread, in case they should grow too hungry. For mother I have given you some well-roasted coffee, she said, and in the little bottle that is stoppered and tightly wrapped up there is also some black coffee, better than mother usually makes over at your house. Just let her taste it. It is a veritable medicine tonic, so strong that one swallow of it will warm up the stomach, so that the body will not grow cold on the coldest of winter days. The other things in the pasteboard box, and those that are wrapped up in paper in the knapsack, you are to bring home without touching. And having talked with the children a little while longer, she bade them go. Take good care, Sana, she said, that you don't get chilled, you mustn't get overheated, and don't you run up along the meadows and under the trees. Probably there will be some wind toward evening, and then you must walk more slowly. Greet father and mother, and wish them a right merry Christmas. Grandmother kissed both children on their cheeks, and pushed them through the door. Nevertheless, she herself went along, accompanied them through the garden, let them out by the back gate, closed it behind them, and went back into the house. The children walked past the cakes of ice beside Grandfather's mill, passed through the fields of Millsdorf, and turned upward toward the meadows. When they were passing along the heights where, as has been said, stood scattered trees and clumps of bushes, there fell, quite slowly, some few snowflakes. "'Do you see, Sana?' said the boy. "'I had thought right away that we would have snow. Do you remember when we left home how the sun was a bloody red like the lamp hanging at the holy sepulchre, and now nothing is to be seen of it any more, and only the gray mist is above the treetops? That always means snow.' The children walked on more gladly and Sana was happy whenever she caught a falling flake on the dark sleeves of her coat, and the flake stayed there a long time before melting. When they had finally arrived at the outermost edge of the Millsdorf Heights, where the road enters the dark pines of the neck, the solid front of the forest was already prettily sprinkled by the flakes falling ever more thickly. They now entered the dense forest which extended over the longest part of the journey still ahead of them. From the edge of the forest the ground continues to rise up to the point where one reaches the red memorial post, when the road leads downward toward the valley of Gashad. In fact, the slope of the forest from the Millsdorf side 
is so steep that the road does not gain the height by a straight line, but climbs up in long serpentines from west to east and from east to west. The whole length of the road up to the post and down to the meadows of Gashad leads through tall, dense woods without a clearing, which grow less heavy as one comes down on the level again, and issues from them near the meadows of the valley of Gashad. Indeed, the neck, though being only a small ridge connecting two great mountain masses, is yet large enough to appear a considerable mountain itself, if it were placed in the plain. The first observation the children made when entering the woods was that the frozen ground appeared gray, as though powdered with flour, and that the beards of the dry grass stalks standing here and there between the trees by the roadside were weighted down with snowflakes, while on many of the green twigs of the pines and firs, opening up like hands, there sat little white flames. "'Is it snowing at home, too, I wonder?' asked Sanna. "'Of course,' answered the boy, "'and it is growing colder, too, and you will see that the whole pond is frozen over by tomorrow.' "'Yes, Conrad,' said the girl. She hastened her steps to keep up with the boy striding along. They now continued steadily up along the serpentines, now from west to east and again from east to west. The wind predicted by the grandmother did not come. On the contrary, the air was so still that not a branch or twig was moving. In fact, it seemed warmer in the forest, as, in general, loose bodies with air spaces between them, such as a forest, are in winter. The snowflakes descended ever more copiously, so that the ground was altogether white already, and the woods began to appear dappled with gray, while snow lay on the garments of the children. Both were overjoyed. They stepped upon the soft down, and looked for places where there was a thicker layer of it, in order to tread on them, and make it appear as if they were wading in it already. They did not shake off the snow from their clothes. A great stillness had set in. There was nothing to be seen of any bird, although some do flit to and fro through the forest in winter time, and the children, on their way to Millsdorf, had even heard some twitter. The whole forest seemed deserted. As theirs were the only tracks, and the snow in front of them was untrod and immaculate, they understood that they were the only ones crossing the neck that day. End of section 3